Hello and welcome out there to the first part in our limited podcast series on planning for a successful customer service strategy in 2020. I'm your host, Michael Kramer, and I'm the head of marketing here at AgriSync. For those of you who do not know, AgriSync is a software platform that helps simplify communication for modern agricultural through voice, text, and video. But that's not what this is about. The podcast today is presented in conjunction with our friends at Precision Farming Deal. With harvest coming to a close or finally wrapped up, it is now time for many ag dealers, retailers, or other businesses to stop thinking about 29 and really start diving into planning for 2020. In this limited podcast series, we're going to focus on helping get you planned for your 2020 customer service, service strategy next year. We'll be talking to different industry and topic experts to discuss different elements of customer support and how they can be leveraged to help you build your customer service strategy. From the podcast, you'll gain insights and ideas on how to elevate your customer support strategy, allowing you to use it in a, as a differentiator and to become more planned, effective, and, well, hopefully more profitable. And who doesn't want that? So our first topic, we're going to dive into talking about what about the customer experience. Where does one start when creating the customer experience? What's the difference between the customer support and the customer experience? And honestly, what the heck is even the customer experience? So to start us off, we just so happen to have a guy who's an expert in the field, or at least given his title, it sounds like he is. So let me go ahead and introduce to you Titan Machinery's Chief Experience Officer, Jeff Bowman. But Jeff, welcome uh, today. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. It's great to be here with you, Michael. Uh, thanks for having me. So, Jeff, um, obviously I set you up a little bit here uh, with the Chief Experience Officer title. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are. Um, so, we, so we know that you're the guy who should be talking to us about the, the customer experience here. It's way oversold, Michael. I, you know, I, I'm sure I've said to you before, you know, it's, uh, it's all made up and the points don't matter. So, it's, uh, <laughs> no, it was something very intentional on my part. I have said to numerous individuals, I talked my boss into it, uh, but there was a really good reason for that. I do want to narrow it right down. You, you know somewhat, mine is a very small world uh, in terms of I've been, for the better part of the last 25 years, I've been around uh, Big Iron, spent some time uh, on the Caterpillar side, uh, looking at all aspects of parts, service, rental and used equipment and transitioned into digital. And that's really what got me the ball rolling on customer experience for me. And then just, uh, I guess it's almost three years ago now, I switched over from uh, big yellow trackers to big red trackers and combo. Now with uh, Titan Machinery, as, as I look at customer experience in, in our world, the, the equipment world, I just break it down from a customer perspective and say, what, what are the main things they count on us for? And simplistically, uh, how they purchase, how they operate, and how they support the, the equipment that we provide to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think in terms of those three areas, they're their buying process and how we make sure they get exactly what they need uh, out in the field uh, or out on the job site to make them successful, making sure that day by day when they put that iron to use that it's getting the most for them, uh, whether that's digging holes or planting seeds or you name it, it's making sure that the operation of that equipment goes uh, as expected and gets them the outcome they're looking for. Sometimes things don't go right and tractors and combines need support and making sure when that happens that they have the very best support experience uh, that they can. So, so that's the that's my through my not hole in the fence how I look at customer experience in those buckets, and then uh, I just start peeling the onion from there. 
Well, I mean, you've had the opportunity to see, uh, as you mentioned, with your with your background, you've you've not just been with, uh, we'll just say, one color tractor throughout your career. So you you've had a chance to see it from many different angles, and and with each one of those obviously had some exposure to the dealer network, right? Um, which a lot of our audience is going to be listening to today. So I think that you can, you, you're very well tied into them and uh, how they can understand and relate to you on that. So you talked about the different components of the customer experience um, from maybe in the different buckets it, it falls into, but help me understand a little bit or help our audience understand what is the difference between customer support per se versus the customer experience? Yeah. So, so typically, uh, and, and again, I, I, I want to make sure you understand, uh, I, I was, I've been very aspirational in terms of my focus on customer experience. I think that this is really the next differentiator, especially if you're a dealer, what, what you really need to take and be the best at is delivering that customer experience. So as I look at customer experience, it's really, all-encompassing to boil it down mm -hmm. it's basically every interaction that a customer has with your brand and so that's as everything as it sounds if I if I really narrow that down and I think uh, back to purchase operate and support customer service is typically more narrowly defined as supporting the customer when they have a problem and then you provide uh, some expertise in helping them solve that that problem. So I can, I can go from customer experience at an overall umbrella level, and then I can narrow it down to providing that customer some degree of support when they have an issue or problem that needs to be solved. Uh, and that's really where dealers have, that's been a dealer's bread and butter, uh, showing a customer that when something goes wrong, mm -hmm. uh, a dealer can jump in, they can uh, take care of that customer, get them back up and running, for example, or make sure that things get set up right and they're running right. And if anything breaks, it gets, uh, it gets fixed. So that's why the customer service piece is also seen as a linchpin, uh, sure. if you will, of the entire customer experience uh, life cycle. You know, and I, and I think that with customer service, usually uh, the issue that comes with that is it's very reactionary. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just natural. I mean, we, we have enough stuff going on with what we try to do within the organization, what we're trying to do for the customers. As much as we would like to pick up the phone and call the customer first, most likely they're calling you and saying, hey, blank, something has happened. This has happened. Um, and it's not always necessarily a bad thing. I think customers, um, from my experience, they understand how things work, especially when you're dealing with something, whether it's mechanical, you know, things aren't simple and things aren't easy. Otherwise, it would just come in a little seed package, you dump it in, put some water on it and roll, right? But it's not that easy. So yeah, that customer support side is important, but it's very reactionary. One of the things you mentioned that um, I want to I hone in on a little bit is you talked about it being aspirational, but being a differentiator, right? I mean, I think, I think the things that we consider differentiators at our, at our, at our individual businesses are going to be aspirational in nature. But how can, let's, let's dive into that differentiation piece a little bit. Can you talk about how that customer experience is indeed or can be leveraged as a differentiator um, and not just so aspirational? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you start to look at, you know, telematics is a great example of this. And I like the tie-in that you made right away with being reactive versus being proactive. Because uh, I think if you could, maybe as a litmus test for how well companies are doing at providing customer experience, you could have a continuum and just say, what are you? 
uh, in various areas of the business, uh, whether it's parts or service or precision, et cetera. Are you reactive or are you proactive? Yeah. And you know, if reactive is a one and proactive is a 10, uh, and that would, that would be a pretty good uh, sort of o- overall test of how well your company is doing from a customer experience standpoint and poking at telematics a little bit and uh, tying that together a little bit. The promise of telematics has been to move from reactive to proactive so that instead of waiting for the phone call, hey, I heard a sound that isn't quite right. Can you have a guy out to take a look at it? Instead of that, you're starting to, you're embedding sensors all over the machine and you're starting to get an early indication of data coming back from any number of sensors and the combination of sensors that says, I think something's heading in the direction of a problem right now. Being able to analyze that data and uh, raise a flag and say, something needs attention, nothing's wrong yet, but if something keeps heading in this direction, something could go wrong, and now you're able to get in and prevent a breakdown for a customer so they're they're not going to lose downtime or they're going to minimize their loss of downtime. Uh, instead of what could have been uh, a catastrophic failure where, yeah. you know, they're dead, they're dead in the water. So it's a great example of the promise of telematics has been to create an experience that anticipates instead of reacts and creates a lot of value for the customer in doing so and then creates uh, even more loyalty with whoever shows up and provides that <laughs> level of service, right? right. It's been a, it's been a uh, rather elusive uh, in, in many ways, and I think there's some disconnects with how it's being delivered, but, but it is a great example of how that transition from reactive to proactive. Well, and, and I want I want to focus on this a little bit because, you know, for the listening audience, I think that that is a, a question that they have. How do you transition from there? And um, one of the things you mentioned, I think, comes to the word measure too, to, to some degree. And measuring is hard. You know, I, I spend my life in marketing. It's, it's always hard to measure something like that. But it's one of those things where if you take it all away, you, you can tell that there's something. I always compare it to like a multivitamin. You take it and it's hard to tell what's different. But then you stop taking it and you're like, oh something's different. You know, you don't know all the effects until it's gone. But, but talk to real quick about that. You said, you said the promise, right? The promise of Telmex. It's, it's the idea that, Hey, if we do this, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll avoid or we'll lower the, the risk of a, a, a catastrophic failure with some of these types of things being on the proactive. Have you been able to see, have you been able, have your customers been able to see, um, or have they felt that uh, the, the risk has gone down? Have they said, you know, man, it seems like every, every other year, twice a year, it seems like something bad happens, but I'm noticing it's not happening as much. Have you, have you heard statements like that? How are you kind of measuring a little bit of that success, if you will? You know, Titan has a, a great way of doing this. And, it, and it's, this was an interesting uh, difference that I saw between uh, Caterpillar and then, you know, flipping over. Mm-hmm. Actually, more, more of a difference between construction and ag, where as construction seemed to be, many cases was 12 months of the year and, mm-hmm. you know, things could get cold or hot, but you were still out there digging the best you could. On the farming side, obviously the seasons are much more determined by 
the weather, uh, at least if you're up here in North Dakota, very determined by the weather. One of the things that Titan has continued to beat the drum on now, and this is long before I got here, but it's raising the importance of the preventive maintenance with our customers so that we're out there ahead of every season making sure that the equipment is ready for what's coming next. And we're doing that. We're beginning to weave the telematics into that so that we're getting a good look at the the hours on the machine and where it is relative to its last interval where we have the equipment history service history to look at we have more and more you know when a machine moves in and out uh, of our shops or customer job site or in the case of a customer farm we're taking pictures of those machines basically mm-hmm. there's a health check there's many points in time where you're doing a health check of a machine. And before that used to be just keeping track of what's in front of you uh, to make sure that the problem got fixed. And more and more, it becomes a big data issue where you're looking at everything you know about that machine and where it is in its life cycle and how the customer is using that machine and how other customers are using machines like that. And, And we're starting to use that to inform, to make sure that as we're interacting with the customer, making recommendations to them, hey, we really should get that combine in and look uh, look over the drivetrain really closely. There could be an issue here. Uh, and again, we've always done that with something we call uptime maintenance, or we have for uh, for some time now. And now we're just infusing it more and more <laughs> with the data so that we get, again, smarter and, as you said, more proactive with it. So it's building on something that we already knew worked. The fundamentals were good. And now we're just making it even smarter. So I'm going to take it a step back a little bit because what you're talking about is not done in a silo. I think that's a fair statement, right? This isn't just Jeff Bowman or the Jeff Bowman of, uh, of, of another dealer or another organization. There's a lot of buy-in and I, I can't imagine that it's, uh, let me say it this way. It's probably safe to assume that the buy-in starts at the very tip top because it's, it's an investment uh, it, like, like I said, I'm just compare back to that, that multivitamin, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to go out and spend 50 bucks on these pills. I don't know if they're going to work because nothing's wrong with me, but I want to stay healthy. So how do you go talk a little bit about that process in terms of with the internal element of it? Um, how does that even one, maybe get started or two, how is it sold up the ladder? And then I'll, I'll ask some follow-up questions based off of that. I think one of the mistakes that I certainly made early on at Caterpillar as we were really beginning to focus on customer experience and understanding how important that was. And, and my responsibility uh, at, at Caterpillar included 275 dealers globally in 300 countries and figuring out how the OEM and dealers would work together. And so we were uh, intently focused, as we are here at Titan Machinery now, on how we deliver that differentiated customer experience. But what I learned very quickly was, whatever your organization is, it doesn't speak customer experience today. It's not a... It's not part of the lingo. And so uh, the CFO doesn't speak customer experience. He holds the checkbook. Uh, The CEO influences a few things. He might not uh, speak customer experience. Everyone would know. Everybody, it is a team sport. There isn't, you know, for example, I'm not, I'm not in charge of all customer experiences at Titan Machinery, right? Like I probably am in charge of the least amount of customer experiences at Titan Machinery. The recognition is, and these are some of the early discussions at the senior level, the recognition is for that strong cross-functional teamwork 
um, in order uh, in order to stitch the pieces together. When you start to realize how interconnected the different pieces of the business are in delivering, whether that's a sales experience to the customer, yeah. whether they're out there running the machine and who needs to be involved in making sure that goes right, whether it's uh, product support, maintenance, or repairs. And so, you know, I, I mentioned that it probably didn't start well for me. And what I meant by that is, Probably for the first 18 months, you know, you read the white papers, uh, you know, back then it was early days of white papers and it was like, this stuff is awesome. Everybody should be doing this. And I yep. don't know why they don't understand. <laughs> All right. Just read the white right. paper, right? And right. Say, just drinking Red Bull and talking about customer experience. There's nothing finer. But then the real world hits and you and that's where over time, and, and this would be a strong recommendation I would make, is the people that philosophically agree with you on customer experience, you got to have those conversations, you got to go to the conferences, you got to read the white papers. But when you're back in the business getting the work done, you've got to translate that into what matters the most to each one of those key stakeholders. You've got to talk to the COO about how that's going to decrease uh, inventories or it's going to in, or it's going to increase uh, inventory turns it's going to decrease mm -hmm. expenses uh, you need to talk uh, to the CFO about how the investments you're making are going to translate into uh, some sort of an ROI and so you there's a translator module that you need to put in place and is absolutely crazy crazed as you are about customer experience you need to realize and the customer which is fantastic to be so passionate about the customer uh, but you have to bring it back and put it in terms that the organization uh, can digest. Well, that, that's, that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, if you look at the pyramid, there's a bunch of sub-pyramids in between. You mentioned the CEO, but then you talk finance and then you talk operations and you talk sales and you talk marketing, you talk all the, the individual um, components within. Talk a little bit, though, about that's at the top, right? And it's, at some point in time, the customer experience starts with uh, literally the first time they visit your website. If it, let's say that's the first, or maybe they heard you speak at a trade show or they stopped by your booth or, you know, maybe they really, like you said, there's so much out of your hands with the customer experience, but let's talk about for a moment what is in your hands, but still pretty at best arm's distance. And that's that person. That's the, the mechanic who goes out there. He or she probably has never been truly trained in the soft skills of things. There's no doubt in my mind that they can turn a wrench and fix just about anything with a pop can and a, a blowtorch, right? But they don't necessarily know how you, like you said, what's that translator module? How do you get convinced them? How do you relay to them that this is as much a part of their job as actually turning that wrench themselves and welding that um, component back to the iron? Like, how do you do that um, and how do you monitor that as well, if you will? The way that I've, that I've seen it work is to have everybody pan out together, if you will, and look at that, look at more of an end-to-end -end experience. And it doesn't have to be from the first click on the website until they're a 20-year loyal customer and the thousands of interactions they've sure. had. But if you even can step back and think about, you know, a technician might just see the interaction with the customer from the time they show up on the job site and they pull out the app and they're trying to understand what's going on with you till the time they've diagnosed it and finally close the work order. But if you can just help broaden out everybody's horizon to, well, long before you showed up on the job site, there was a customer out in the field and he was, you know, driving down the rows and he heard a sound and the sound wasn't quite right. 
And then when you start to think, when you start to walk through, and it was con- it was really confusing for the customer at that point because nice, it's in the it's in the middle of the afternoon now, and it's going to rain tomorrow, and it's a complex equation for the customer because they have to. Should I just go for it and run right. and see how if I can finish right. this up, or is this the right time to, you know, pull the plug on uh, on operations today? And so you start walking through that initial identification of the issue, and hey, they have to go through an assessment, and they, mm-hmm. they don't know the machines like you know the machines, and so then they need to talk to an expert, and are they going to? you know, remote in with, or do they have the opportunity to remote in and have a trusted expert on a, on an AgriSync where you're face to face and you're building, you know, you're building on the rapport you already have and they're hearing what you have, or are they in this fog of confusion and they left, (laughs) they left a four minute uh, voice message and then they got cut off by the answering machine, right? Yeah. And uh, and it doesn't sound like you have any experience with this whatsoever, by the way. It sounds like you're just making all this up. It never happens. I'm making it all up, right? Then by the time the technician arrives on the site and the customer anxious Anxious. right I'm gonna at a minimum anxious but very frustrated and frustrated with our brand sure absolutely Um, and again the technician is like whoa ho like I just I just came out here to fix your problem and you're upset with me but not realizing that everything that led up to the to Mm -hmm. that point has been potentially been a very negative experience for the customer they they never expected the problem to have a product a product have a problem in the first place, and so again, I'm, I'm, I'm I use that as an example just to say uh, there can be three or four uh, or more individuals at a dealership involved through that through that repair process, and when they start to understand how their piece fits with the the piece of the service manager and the service writer and the customer. Uh, the operator, farmer operator, or the construction operator, between all those pieces are, and how the dealer can take friction out of that end-to-end process and begin to make it easier. Again, I mentioned uh, AgriSync as an example of a way to take the anxiety level of a yeah. customer down uh, immediately in that process, and instead of going two or three more steps or hours into a frustrating situation Mm -hmm. and and when you start to paint that broader picture and all the participants in the process from the dealer side see oh that's what we are collectively doing to the customer or what the customer is going through it's not just my piece it's our piece Uh, that's important and that and that's when the appetite to start working together to solve an experience equation instead of just a functional problem uh, occurs. What a great way to say it. I mean, like it, it's, uh, like I said, it, it sounds like you have no experience with this whatsoever. Like you're not pulling off of any <laughs> one or multiple or dozens of experience, but it's, I think that everyone can relate to what you just said. Even, even as a consumer on our own, the, pick your favorite retailer or your least favorite retailer, mm-hmm. right? You pull into there and people are driving down the wrong way in the parking lot and there's, uh, there's uh, shopping carts left in your spot and, and then, you know, you, you walk out there and there's trash everywhere you walk in. The greeter doesn't look at you. They don't say hello. You know, that's, that's the experience. We, all of us, go through that no matter what. And then, you know, the lines are long and you, you got what you needed, but man, are you, you just a little anxious to say to your <laughs> right. work, right? Yeah, the least, least. right? Just to add to that, and this is a, this is a, it, it seems like a small thing, but 
I'm often reminded you, I think the retail experience and all the way from Amazon to just a good retail store experience is still the expectation. It's still the bar that Mm -hmm. gets set when, you know, any human being thinks about how they should be treated. Uh, Those retail experiences become how the bar gets set. And so I, I do always think, you know, when a customer walks into a dealership and they've, they've dropped a half a million, several million dollars, yeah. uh, tens of millions of dollars with one of our stores, yep. uh, you know, with a Titan machinery or, or any one of our peers, are they going to get an experience that reflects that where they believe that who they encounter is going to be looking for ways to really remove that friction and, and take their anxiety down, you know, not just a trans, not just do a transaction, if you will. And you bring up a good point. I think so much of that is uh, relative to the customer too, because um, sure, you might have one customer or many customers who spend those millions of dollars over over the years and have been there with you for 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it might be. But then you have that one that's just starting off or maybe just in a different scale. And they, they said, hey, I just spent $50,000 with you, whatever it might be. And you're just like, oh, that's cute because other people have spent you know, $50 million with them, whatever it might be. But, but it doesn't matter to that one customer because that customer doesn't compare him or herself to everyone else. They're looking at their individual, this is what I have done. What, you know, give me the experience or the service I, that I did believe I deserve, right? Absolutely. I'm going to do one thing real quick here to pay the bills. Just as a little insert here, um, just a friendly reminder that this podcast is a limited series podcast focused on helping the listener plan for a successful customer service strategy in 2020. Um, And this is your host from AgriSync, Michael Kramer. And to learn more about how AgriSync can help you enable your customer experience, head on over to agrisync.com slash customer experience. I always hear that on the radio, so I figured I probably should insert that into the podcast of sorts. You're really good at that. Yeah, that's not bad, right? Thank you very much. I'm going to start doing that with my wife at home. And every time she starts to talk and be like, hello, this is Michael Kramer. I just want to remind you, I am your husband. <laughs> just let me, throw that let me know how that goes. Yeah, I will. If, if you don't hear from me, you'll, you'll know exactly how it went. So, okay. So let's talk real quick about some of the other things that go into this. You know, I'm, I'm by default a marketing um, person. That's, that's where my area of expertise lies. I know when you were at Caterpillar, you, you, you focused a lot on, on marketing as part of that group. And even with the chief experience officer, which you do a Titan now that all ties in there. I think, I think in both cases, the word marketing or, or customer experience are very, very broad. Just talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked about leveraging this. We talked about focusing on the customer experience. What is that connection between the customer experience and the go-to-market strategy or how you market that? What do you start talking to your current or potential customers about now that you've decided, okay, you know what, we're going to expand just beyond a little, we're going to start thinking a little bit beyond customer service. Now I want to start thinking broader. I've got the team a little bit more revved up, what have you not. How do you leverage that? How do you talk to your customers to say, hey, we're putting more of a focus on it? Or is it organic and they're just supposed to kind of discover it on their own? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, I, I can imagine some companies have been very forthright, certainly with investors. Uh, companies like to talk about all things, especially digital and customer experience. Truth of it is that it's a, uh, it's a lot more than uh, a marketing campaign can, can touch. I, I'd like to think about, uh, of it in terms of the, it's sort of an outside in. It's, it's taking sure. a company, especially cool thing about the industry that we serve is the technology is cool. I mean, the machines are cool. The technology is cool. We're, 
we're out here helping the people that build and feed the world. I mean, there's so much yeah. to love about it, but it, but it can oftentimes be very inside out push. So it becomes about the machine and horsepower and breakout force and drawbar pull. And, it, and the customer experience needs to be very outside in driven, which is really understanding what a customer is going through step by step. So I, I say all that to say with very uh, limited resources, you have to make bets on how you're going to be able to get ahead of the competition. Yeah. I think practically speaking, how it works itself out, and this gets back to the translator module that you need to get this done, is you look across, you know, product support process is a, is a great example. You start looking from breakdown through diagnosis all the way through repair and invoicing and, and making sure everything goes well. You find out where you can set yourself apart or eliminate a key gap that might have mm -hmm. come in from customer satisfaction surveys uh, or net promoter score analysis or, or what have you. And you really have to cherry pick as you start out, like what are, what are those areas that are going to have the biggest impact the quickest? And the word that I've used uh, more than any other, uh, probably a word and a phrase, momentum, you've mm -hmm. got to build momentum. I mean, there's, there's just nothing that'll, again, I, as I first started out and I wanted to talk about customer experience, I, and realized that it was, that nobody else wanted to talk about customer experience. <laughs> everybody wanted this, uh, everybody wanted to help the customer and serve the customer better and make money, but nobody wanted to talk about the customer experience. But you start to realize that you cherry pick those uh, aspects, uh, you know, as we've talked a little bit about telematics, but uh, as, as one point of, or example, but it's what, what are the areas where you think you could take a lot of pain out of a process? Maybe it is customer communication where you're, you're not able to respond to a customer as quickly as they need when it's an urgent situation. So let's just focus in on that and really do a good job of uh, improving that particular piece. And then how you measure that and you know, you don't want to market it too early. And this is where my marketing <laughs> guy and my customer experience guy get in a little bit of a fight. Is, you know, as soon as you solve the problem, you want to say we nailed it, but give yourself a little time to show that it wasn't a fluke that you've got. You've <laughs> now, you've now developed a track. It's not just a brochure. You right. You have a track record now for quicker customer response. You have a track record now for identifying issues before they become problems. And, and it, even if it's a very limited scope, do that and, and then reinforce that with the customer. And so this is an area where I would say, don't lead with the marketing, yeah. cherry pick some key areas of experience where you, you either know from customer feedback that you have a deficit or a relative to the competition or where you think, you know, as, as we're looking at telematics right now, where you think there's a couple areas where you might be able to jump in and, and set yourself apart, differentiate yourself from the competition, doing something that's a delighter. And, you know, pick those four or five, pick those four or five things and just stay focused on those to get going. And that, that's the, that is a momentum builder. And I like to think of customer experience as sort of the, you know, this is the phrase that I was mentioning, the upward spiral. It's a, you, you'd like to think you could build a plan and it would all be linear. And it's like, yeah. well, we were at maturity level one and, mm -hmm. and then we're going to check the box on these four things and we'll be at maturity level two. And, 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 and there are people that if others have accomplished this, they're way better at it than me, which is entirely possible. But what I, but what I have seen, you know, through 
a good solid 10 years of this is it's an upward spiral. You, you're picking areas, you're showing success, you're not getting it completely right. You're always tacking a little bit as you go in order to get better and better. And then you get more success and then you widen your scope and then you get more success and you widen your scope and momentum builds and the the spiral continues to go out and up. Well, that's, that's interesting, you know, and and like I said, I'm, I'm on the marketing side, so I understand the leading with marketing. I mean, uh, we, we have a product, whether it's here at AgriSync or in, in my previous years, we, we start off with some, the, the mere announcement at a table in a meeting that says, hey guys, do you think that we should start to do X, Y, Z? I've already started texting my team members saying, guys, go ahead and prepare the press release for X, Y, Z. We're, we're on it. We're going to roll, get the webpage going, right? Like it's, but I've already tweeted. I've already, already tweeted. tweeted. It's, it's official. Sorry, the marketing team has done it. It's out there. So it is, it is something. I think that, uh, you know, it's a little bit like the offensive line. If you're, if you're a football fan, like when it's working, you know, nothing happens. Meaning the quarterback doesn't get sacked. The, the, the ball is thrown without hindrance. Like all those things. When the customer experience is rolling, and it's good, you don't hear about it. And it's funny, you know, talk about measurement. I've, I've talked to people in the past. I'm like, how do you measure some of the, your, your, your customers? Like you mentioned the NPS or random, you know, regular surveys that you can do. I was talking to um, one of your industry counterparts a while back, and he just said, well, my phone's not ringing and the customers aren't yelling at me. So I, I think that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> it's not official, but it, it works. And I know what he's talking about. So, so that's good. All right. Well, looking at um, just one last question for me, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. If someone out there is listening right now and, they're, and they're, they've heard of customer experience, maybe they hadn't and they want to dive a little bit more into it um, and they're thinking, okay, what next? Like literally what is step one? And this, I know this can go to a lot of different areas. So just to lead you a little bit, should they be pulling someone in? Should they, who do they pull in? Do you, do you run to the, the person at the top of the pyramid and talk to them real quick? Do you try to get that buy-in across the board? What are some of those initial steps that they can take to see if they, one, can get the buy-in and two, to really start to move that ball forward? My initial recommendation on that is going to be, uh, I think you need to stretch yourself beyond your business function. Whatever that business function is, I think it's very likely that it is cross-functional to some extent. Even if you say, well, it's mostly me, but then we got to make sure the invoice shows up and it's right. Yeah. Don't assume the invoice is going to show up and it's going to be right, right? So, so I, I'd say to truly make it about customer experience, not just efficiency uh, within uh, my area. Mm-hmm. And again, to learn how to do it because most of customer experience is, is going to be broader than just a function. I would say test yourself on something where you have to look a little to the left and a little to the right. So for example, uh, if it's a sales process, I'd say, you know, get the get your marketeer in with if you have an inside sales guy or gal sure. Uh, sure. that or someone that is picking up phones and talking to customers as part of their job uh, or a bigger part of their job. And then and then field sales go through an end to end campaign where, you know, the example of touched them with a landing page on the website. They were interested in a product, but not sure. And we had the inside sales follow up with them just to ask some questions and engage their uh, sales readiness. 
And then a certain number of those are going to go through and they really need to get eyeball to eyeball with somebody or even across, you know, the hood of a pickup truck yeah. and talk <laughs> through the uh, uh, machine sale. So the, the, the point there being, or I could flip it around and say uh, you could have a customer with, who's trying to implement telematics as even if that's just understanding uh, maintenance intervals and location, uh, for example, you're going to need parts and service and maybe a precision or machine control person together. It doesn't have to be the whole process. Sure. Pick an area with, where you can bookend it, where you've got two or three functions working together and go run a pilot or a proof of concept where you, where you can say, you know, I, I think this process where we've got marketing out there just blasting the universe with emails and then mm -hmm a phone call comes in and, and sales doesn't even know that we had the campaign. I mean, after the big tweet and then there were emails and then, and then people are calling and we don't exactly know what they're talking. And then field sales said, these guys are all crazy. I'm going to get, get in my pickup truck and turn my radio off. And so pick a uh, sort of a bookended, a narrow yeah. part of the process that has a little left, little right and run it through from end to end as a pilot and just tie the pieces together. So make sure you've got, you understand some of the key pieces, like in this case, marketing inside sales, sales, basic, basic processes, and just run through an improvement together where you can see that uh, another key point here is the employee experience oh, yeah. uh, got better. Sure. The understanding of how to work together and the flow of information and, and as a result, the the customer experience got better. And, and I think that cross-functional participation, the, the piloting, mm -hmm. the measurement then is what begins to give, uh, build trust. Um, and, and, you know, in some organizations, everybody already trusts everybody and it's not an issue, but in some organizations, sales is a little yeah. bit skeptical of service and service might think sales has their agenda and, and so forth. And so create these Create a proof of concept, a pilot, uh, where you can go a little left, a little right, run it through, you won't get it perfect, measure it, and there's some specific kind of levels of measurement that can help you understand yeah. uh, if you're making progress, and and that starts the spiral. Yeah, that that's interesting, and um, having him from my previous lives uh, in different organizations, I know exactly what you're talking. We're on the same team, but we're suspicious of each other for for various reasons. It's it's not that we think people are dishonest of sorts. I think that we just all have our own individual goals and efforts, and we we forget that um, we can leverage each other to reach those. Right. And that, and that can be definitely, so it's at the very least good to hear that where, where I've been and what we're doing sometimes isn't uh, if you're not in a silo, these are industry or just business norms or maxims that we experience. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. And I, and I think customer experience in that sense is a great way to bring an organization together because who doesn't agree every one of those organizations, you know, that you just spoke of all the way back to it and accounting, et cetera, yeah. would all say, look, we're, <clears throat> we're here for the customer. I want to be part of a company that represents that. But again, everybody's got their perspective on what that means. And when you can bring that together with customer experience, that's sort of the, that's sort of the higher level of shared meaning that, yeah. that now it's like, no, we, we really are in this together. We, yeah. we are we are literally doing this together for the customer, and it creates a lot more uh, cooperation, not only for the customer experience portion mm -hmm. of it, but just in business. 
Um, it's always it's always nice to huddle around something, right? Or the same common cause, and if we can remember that, hey, indeed, the customer is that cause. <laughs> That's that rising tide that raises those ships, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty good cause. Okay, Jeff. So I lied to you. I have I have a couple of quick rapid fire questions that I'm going to ask you, and you have um, no idea what these are, but uh, we're going to hold you to them in a court of law. Okay. Oh man. So, given the time of year, what's your favorite candy corn or circus peanuts? I'm going to go with candy corn on that. You go with pop or soda? Grew up pop in Indiana, and then I converted to soda out in California. Yeah, I did that. I didn't go to California, I've but I was a pop guy, and I moved back here, moved away, and moved back, and now I say soda, and people look at me cross-eyed. Yeah, I can't, I can't go back. Once you've gone soda, you can't go back, I think. Yeah, I think that's how that phrase goes, right? <laughs> pop, yeah, pop, pop just does It'll never sound right again. No, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't. Okay, so then creek or crick? Uh, it's a it's a creek, Michael. It's a creek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that there's some definitive feelings behind that one. Uh, and I and I'm not going to answer roof or roof or flag or flag because I am sitting in North Dakota right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. I have a feeling I know this one, but uh, we'll we'll go ahead and ask it. Is it a is it a pecan or a, a pecan? Uh, it's a pecan. All right. Well, those, those were the questions that most people really wanted to know throughout this whole thing. So I figured I would be the lucky one that got to ask you those. You, you answered them very well. Well, what I want to do right now is uh, I just want to say um, I'd like to conclude today's podcast by thanking our guest, Jeff Bowman. Again, Jeff, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I did learn a ton um, about the concept of customer experience, uh, the various elements of, um, and even some action items we can take to get started. Uh, I know we packed a lot in in a short amount of time. <laughs> There's probably so many more things we can unpack, but um, hey, it's, it's a limited time podcast, and so we have to stick with that. So to learn more about how AgriSync can help you get started and better enable your customer experience strategy, go to agrisync.com slash customer experience. Also, would like to thank Titan Machinery um, for lending us Jeff Bowman today, and also Precision Farming Dealer, who's our partner in crime in presenting this limited series podcast. Precision Farming Dealer is the authoritative source for information on selling, servicing, and supporting precision farming technology and the trends shaping our future of the industry. Stay up to date with the latest and most important precision news and information by signing up for your Precision Farming Dealer online account at precisionfarmingdealer.com slash register. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll be sure to catch you guys again. Jeff, thank you so much, and we'll be talking to you soon.